Welcome to Coffee with Curtis, your home for quality business conversation. Hey everyone, I'm Robert Curtis. Welcome to the podcast. Today on the program, we have Deb Coviello. She's the CEO of Illumination Partners and host of the successful The Drop-In CEO podcast. Soon to be an author of The CEO Compass, Deb really helps business leaders get to the root of the issue and find solutions using her own unique methodologies. We chat about being a lean practitioner, how CEOs should drive transformation, her own journey from the corporate world to entrepreneurialism, the power of social media, and particularly her own podcast, which is hugely successful. Deb is special and the type of advisor you want on your team. So listen up. Deb Coviello, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. I was privileged to be a guest on yours. So delighted to be able to welcome you to Coffee with Curtis. Welcome. All right, Robert, thank you so much for that opportunity. I do have my cup of coffee ready here for any questions that come my way. But, you know, always a pleasure, uh, always stimulated by the conversation and can't wait to share it with your community. Fantastic. Well, Deb, we've got a lot to cover today because the work that you're doing and the inspiration genuinely that you're sharing in the online world and, you know, particularly on LinkedIn that I'm following you on um, is, is, is something that I hope our listeners are going to get a lot of value on. So let's kick off. And I want to really just start back at the beginning so all of our listeners can get a sense of who is Deb. Um, just share a little bit on your your background, your story, and, and maybe a sort of fly through of your career. All right. Well, Robert, thank you again. And there is so much to tell, but I am a lean practitioner. I'm going to try to get to the point. But recently, where I am now, I am grateful for having made the transition from a glorious 30-year career, mainly in operations, manufacturing, in various quality and OPEX roles. But now I have formed my own company, Illumination Partners, and also branded as the Drop-In CEO. Um, the Drop-In CEO, yeah, I'm a management consultant, <laughs> but I my specialty is the ability to drop into small and medium-sized companies and partner with the CEO because often they're at a point of great transformation. They have a great product, great intellectual property, but sometimes they're at a point where they realize they don't have the capability and capacity to get there. And so that's kind of where I drop in and partner with them. We solve the business issue and operations, quality, whatever it may be. But the thing that differentiates me is it's integrated with that management development, that leadership development of the people while I'm there. Because when I, I'm out of there at some point, Point and they don't want to pay the bill anymore. Uh, the people have to be better for it. And, you know, I only learned that in the last five or six years of my corporate career, because I was surrounded by really, really smart and talented people in the flavor and fragrance industry, a lot smarter than me. And the only thing I could do was help unleash their potential. And so that's where a lot of my leadership insights has started to come forward and, and, and the approach I had to take <laughs> to get myself back on track. And now I carry that forward when I help other businesses. But, you know, before that, various industries, uh, aerospace, telecommunications.com in different areas of quality and operational excellence and improvement. Uh, but my roots, biomedical engineering, uh, focusing on materials and such like that, never actually went into biomedical, but engineering, what a great foundation to teach problem solving, getting people together. And that's what I bring forward. But most importantly, 
married to my best friend for over 30 years. I have three wonderful children. Uh, one is in Switzerland, one is in Germany, and one is still here at home. Uh, one we talked about before actually spent some time in Israel and was one of the best adventures of their life. So uh, that's me in a nutshell, but uh, can't wait to share more stories with you. That's a great overview, Deb. Interestingly, I really love your drop-in CEO trademark. How did that come about? So that's an interesting story. And you know what? I didn't own it when it fell upon my doorstep because early in my career, and this is the backstory for how did I get into podcasting? I, I got bitten by the bug. I had been invited to be on a podcast once and I said, Ooh, I like this. I like sharing my voice and talking with people. And then I arrived on the 10 minute mindset with Mario Pareca and he does an amazing podcast and asked me a little bit. So Deb, what do you do? And still honing my talking points in my 30 second elevator speech, I said, well, I kind of am like the drop in CEO, I drop into organizations, partner with CEOs, I look at the landscape, assess the business need and try to elevate the people and pull me out. And the reason why I use that was because there was a person 15 years ago, I was in a startup company and oh my, what a roller coaster. And in order to save the company, they dropped in a CEO. And I remember he just rolled up his sleeves, sat with us in an operations meeting, started building an Excel spreadsheet to help us to get back on track, came down to where the work was needed, helped us to get through the change. And then he left the company. That image stuck with me. And I mirror that behavior because they just need somebody to guide them through the process. The drop-in CEO came out on the podcast and it took me five months to say, I am the drop-in CEO. Because again, I sometimes you have to get over that mindset as, as a business leader of who you are and what you represent. So that is my trademark, waiting for that to become official. And um, people say it's really snappy. <laughs> I, I, I think it is really snappy. And I think it just really embodies the type of consultancy work that you want to to probably achieve because often consultants they do get a bad rap sometimes that um they they sort of come in and they 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 do their thing and they actually don't get their hands that dirty and leave with lasting impact and you know that's a bit of a generalization and not all consultants are like that but this concept of dropping in being part of the team. Um, I know it's, I say it's tongue in cheek, but you're, you're dropping in like a sort of superhero that can then come in and unleash some of these issues that are maybe causing them challenges or, um, as you say, unleashing their potential um, is, is great. I really enjoy that name. Um, you know, superhero, uh, I'll own that too, because it's really about once you get to a point in your career, understanding what your superpowers are, because people can contract any consultant, get me the certification, help me get more sales, help me to, I don't know, train my leaders or what have you. But the superpower is actually active listening, is saying less, listening more and really seeing what they need. So I just, I just unfortunately landed a new client and they um, say they need a certification in order to stay in business with a, a major customer. But as I look around and look at them, there's a lot of smart people that could have done this before, but they are in a bit of chaos and they just need another person to organize the work and make it seem seamless because it can be absolutely overwhelming. And so it's really, how can I make their lives easy? The technical work of getting sec the certification is secondary. That's what they really need. And that's what I saw. So that's what makes me a little bit different or I don't know, being that superhero or superwoman. 
<laughs> it's uh i'm sure you are and uh, the title's probably very much deserved the, the i was re- recently in conversation with another podcaster called jonathan wasser who's out of um atlanta georgia and he's got a super impressive podcast and we were chatting and his big thing is that people should be focusing on their zone of genius and this idea of saying this is where my superpowers lie you refer to superpowers there and that's what I'm really good at there are things that maybe I can do that I'm okay at or things that I'm not so good at or you know he even he even says you know the ironing and the washing and the laundry you know that's a bad use of his time because it's not in his zone of genius so he he takes it literally from the whole sphere of his life where things drop in in the right way that focus on his zone of genius. And those are the things that he spends his time on. You know, I think what you bring up is so important that, you know, as leaders, we are praised and celebrated and promoted and recognized for the technical things that we do. And yes, we should be celebrated. We've worked so hard to get those, but I don't know how many times somebody's actually stepped back and taken the time to reflect or even talk to somebody and really understand, well, what are you really good at? And what are you passionate about? And they're probably connected, but unrelated to what you do. So if I look at you a little bit, you know, you are very engaging. Again, the body language, the energy, the curiosity, that's what you're really good at. You could go probably into any industry. It just so happens it's in the sales space and helping organizations with their sales strategy. I really think if people start listening and saying, you know, I'm a good writer, I'm a good speaker, I'm a good listener, I'm really good at problem solving. And you know what? Own that. And then that becomes the product where you practice, where you do it really doesn't matter. It's just about fancy marketing and just finding the opportunities. That's something I've learned over the last several years. And I think any leader, regardless of where in the organization is, just take a pause and think about what is that zone of genius? I think interestingly, we teach our children's or our, our children or our younger selves, the opposite of what you just said. We often focus Uh, within a school environment on where are the weaknesses? Why is the child not doing so well at math or history? And actually we sort of put all of the emphasis on what they're not good at, whereas actually they may never be good at those things and we should be focusing on their zone of genius and and building up their self-esteem and their confidence in saying, this is what I'm good at and actually I'm going to enable myself in the roadmap ahead during my education to ensure that I'm set up to win on the things that I'm good at. So we could spend a lot of time on the educational system. And I am grateful for all the teachers that do the great work and inspire our children. But then as a parent, you know, (laughs) you get those things. I even got the report card of saying, Debs talks too much. Can you keep her quiet? Oh my. So, so, you know, yes, as a, I guess in business speak, the barrier for entry is you do have to score at a certain level in order to open up opportunity for you. But, you know, I took the high road as well. I said, I realized that our children, our people that we work with are so much more. My middle son, David, <laughs> he wouldn't sit down. He would do things on his own. People would label him as disruptive, uh, maybe even want to put him in a special class. And you know what? David marches to his own beat. He does his own thing. He speaks truths 
that sometimes people don't want to hear. And you know what, as a parent, I have to celebrate that and, and acknowledge that. And you know what, now he's in the military leading others. He's doing what he's meant to do. So who cares about how he did in math? You know, good effort, do the work as best you can. We'll support you. And you know what? All we can do is hope to create productive citizens, good people, and not worry about the small stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. Now, yeah. yeah. Before we talk more about your your business today and the work that you do with, with leaders and CEOs, mm-hmm. I just want to talk about the concept of reinvention, reinventing oneself. This is something that I think a lot of people, particularly because of the pandemic in recent times, but I think generally there were trends within the marketplace anyway around people wanting to explore new opportunities for their lives and their careers. You talk about this and, uh, you know, I've read some of the things that you've written. I've heard you obviously on your own podcast. Um, Reinventing yourself is a challenge. It comes with its ups and downs. Just share a little bit about that transition from your corporate world into being an entrepreneur and and your own CEO. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. And you know, it's not easy. There's no playbook. I did listen to other people's podcasts. I read a lot of inspirational books. And I will tell you, quite frankly, there were a few tears in there and trying to figure out what am I good at and what is my value. But you know, at the end of the day, it just starts with the mindset. And I know everybody talks about mindset, but I'll tell you, my journey was about a pause and a reset and really start thinking, what are those things that give me joy? What am I good at? What are my superpowers? What is my zone of genius? And the pandemic itself, that was a perfect opportunity for people to take advantage of pausing and resetting. They actually had a little extra time on their hands to be able to figure that out. And and my message before I go into it a little bit is, you know, don't wait for a crisis or being forced into a situation. I should be taking my own advice. You should be starting to hone your zone of genius now. And what is it that you can do that maybe not only serves others, but also serves your soul. And so that's my message. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but at the same time, time I said, you know, I got a technical skills. I just want to be able to do it on my own terms, do the work. I want to experiment. I want to take risks. I want to figure out what is it to market myself? What are my talking points? What resonates with people? So it did come with networking on LinkedIn, first degree networking, and really getting my name out there and practicing my talking points. And then I realized I had it to become an expert because nobody knew me. So that's why I started creating so much content. And I'll tell you, I was scared to push the button on my first LinkedIn video, but you know what? A mentor of mine said, Deb, get over yourself. <laughs> Peter Gore, Peter Gore, I'll shout out to Peter, get over yourself. And that's all I needed to kind of push me over the edge. Same thing with the podcast. I wanted to speak on my own terms. Couldn't push my the button on my first solo recording. Somebody showed up. I told her about it. Uh, and she said, Deb, what's holding you back? I said, it's just me. It's just me holding myself back. So I think what it is is so often, yes, read, listen to podcasts, advice from others. But at the end of the day, think about, are you ready to push the button and start going through that process of reinventing yourself? I resonate completely with what you just said, as, as, as you well know. Actually, over the weekend, I was reading a book called The Self-Help Addict by Daniel Geffen. And he actually goes on to say that we are a generation of 
self-help addicts. We, we go into the bookstore and we want to find that next book that's going to change our lives and the next YouTube video that's going to inspire us to, you know, make the next million or whatever it's going to be. But actually, he goes on to do and say exactly what you've just articulated so well. It's all inside of us. It's all in here. Yeah. It's heart, soul and mind and, and put them all into action. And, you know, when, once we overcome that fear, we have our own content, we have our own story, our own journey, and we don't need someone else to necessarily tell us how to do it. We can be inspired by what they say, we can take examples from that world, but no book's going to solve this issue for you. You know, you're bringing back such memories when we think about, gosh, as a child, most children have no fear. <laughs> you know, as parents, we can think about the stitches that they have because they have no fear. They got on the bike. They did that backflip off of a diving board. Why did they have a can-do mindset then? And when did we as adults lose that? I mean, you just need to think about that. And because if you can think about that, you, I know I've cried a little bit about that. Like, when did I lose that can do and then realize I can't. And then to be able to say, I can again, go through that process. You never know where you're going to come out on the end. I'll tell you, that's when I started blogging on LinkedIn. Nobody was reading it, blog some more video. And ultimately I'm getting people saying, Ooh, Deb's interesting. Ooh, she inspired me to do something differently. And you know what? That's the kind of work I love doing with people. I think we probably at some stage harden our shell and we, we become conscious of what people think of us. We become less vulnerable. We become less relatable because we're worried what people are going to think about us. And when we start to actually go in the opposite direction of that and say, actually, People really like vulnerability. People like relatable stories. It makes you real. You're not this profile picture on LinkedIn. And that is what is really important. People don't buy from brands typically anymore. Yes, they do it on the, on the big brand level. But when you're mm -hmm. running a small business, you put your heart and soul into that business and they want to know Deb. They want to know Robert. And that's what makes them work with you because they're not working with illumination partners. That's not what makes them buy. They're buying because of what Deb is saying. And they're working you know, with you on that basis. You know, and I'd love to take that a little bit forward um, into just a quick story. Yes, it may be about what I'm saying, but communication and doing are two different things. I can share with people. I, I remember I was working with a food safety expert and she would play it small. She has a lot of knowledge, but was intimidated going into a group of people and saying, we need to be able to do this to protect the food, protect the food chain. Amazingly talented people. Now I can say everything. Oh, here's how you prep for this engagement. Here's how you should be able to articulate the impact and the risk of that. But the person has to be open. But I will tell you for the highly aware individual that says, I want to be able to connect with people. Again, that's the key word. They have to be ready to hear the work that you do and coach others, the work I do to be able to get their impact out. If they're not ready and I've worked with leaders, they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I leave, they go back to what they're doing. This particular person found their courage. They said what needed to be said, ruffled some feathers, but rather than cower back and say, well, I guess I'm not doing my job or they don't understand me. They said, well, I'm going to keep doing my job because I know it's important. And if not here someplace else, wow, 
they got it. And again, they may not be for everybody, but when they find their courage based on saying, I need to try to do something differently to have an impact, that's where the magic's made. So <laughs> I, I got a lot of stories here about just, you know, and do I get paid for all those encounters? No, but you know what? Little by little, we elevate all. And maybe somebody will call me and say, hey, Deb, remember that time we had that conversation? Let's have a conversation. We might have some business opportunities here. So that's why we're all doing this. <laughs> totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. I want to stay on the theme of some yeah. of the social media before we go into more sure. about the business, um, since we've been talking about it. The way that I, I, I found you was through your podcast, and it's an awesome channel. Um, I think you've now breached 120 episodes. Um, you have had some really incredible guests um, within that cohort, and you, you've fine-tuned your art as you have you know, gone through that journey of you know, 120 episodes. What has podcasting particularly just putting aside some of the other content that you're putting out, which is also awesome and growing the blog and the posts and the videos, you know, I, as I said, before we came on air, inspired by your ability to multi-channel with formats and content, but podcasts particularly, because this is a hugely growing forum. I just saw a stat again over the weekend, 25% of the UK population are listening to at least one podcast a week. That's an incredible stat. So what has it meant for you, Deb, on a personal level, a professional level as well, and the impact that you feel it's making for you? Yeah, podcasting. Um, I'm so glad I found that platform. And, you know, there's an interesting backstory. I actually did uh, radio interviews back in the day when I was a youth. You know, there was a special program, youth asking professionals about what they did. And, oh, my, my grandmother was a radio uh, broadcast professional. So talk about uh, full circle, WSOU, Seton Hall University <laughs> in the universe. I have her picture somewhere in my office here, but you never know. Maybe the universe aligned. But, you know, She's definitely looking down proudly. At mother too, Patty Abelis. Thank you, mom, for uh, being my best supporter here. So anyway, um, you know, podcasting, first of all, just is a creative medium. So first it fills the soul. And then secondly, it helps me to connect with people because really growing up, I didn't have a lot of inspiration from people. And this is my way of just getting just amazing people and learning from them and in the process, giving them, uh, you know, my listeners, great content, but you know what it's doing for me as a business is that first of all, I'm learning how to build deep relationships. It's not just a one and done. Yes, we have great content here, but because of you hearing my podcast and connecting on social media, now we're bringing more content to our community so others can learn. So there's this great value that you just put out into the world and it's exponential. You never know who's listening. Now, here's what I'm seeing 120 episodes in. I don't get business directly from this. So if you want a quick bit, you know, fix with podcasting, no, it's for the long game. However, people that I'm courting for potential business, or I want to write for their outlet, uh, I share these podcasts with them. And then they say, Ooh, she, it validates you know, what you're talking about or how you elevate other people. So they already build that no like, and trust, uh, that they, 
draws them in because you have the podcast and then it starts the conversation. Then you get a chance to get to know them. And it is, a, it's like a marriage. It's like dating. You get to see, is this somebody I want to collaborate with? So I've done some LinkedIn lives. I've invited people to speak at my professional organizations. I've had people refer me to people that I should start a conversation that could lead to business development. It's all of that connection in the universe by just starting to have a conversation with kind intentions to get to know them, elevate them and see where we can go. I love that. Yeah. No agenda is really important because it's just about giving that platform to have these, these dialogues to, to, to try and be as niche as possible. Cause I think otherwise you do get lost in the ocean of podcasts generally. Um, But, but, but you're, 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 you're great. at also, I think, the long tail of the podcast episode. It's not just the podcast itself. It's the the content afterwards, the imagery with the quote. It's the the short snippet. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And you know that when you talk about social media, that was something I learned again. I was putting out so much content, and people were saying, "Deb, you're working so hard. Why don't you repurpose already what you're doing well?" So each week. Actually, there is one long form post that I put out and then every short post that I have links in to the long form post or the podcast that I put out. Let's get a quote from either myself or the guest repurpose that stuff. So it has a longer life. Oh my, couldn't have read that in a book, but I picked that up along the way. And you know what? <laughs> it's saving me a little bit of time and I'm still having great impact and, and I appreciate you picking that up because, um, you don't have to work so hard. It's not quantity, it's quality. Yeah, work smart, work smart. Yeah. Um, now, I want to talk about your business and the work that you do, CEOs and leaders. But before we dive into those questions, I actually want our listeners to really understand what it is you do. So this is, I guess, elevator pitch, whatever you want to call it, so that we, we can come into the next part of the conversation in the knowledge of, of, of what you do, first of all. What do I do? All right, I'm just going to go very technical where my clients have found value with me. I had a client contact me out of the flavors industry. They knew that I came from the number one and the number three flavor company, and they were going through a downsizing of the organization. They also lost their senior quality leader. And also they were being integrated into a larger parent company. Talk about uh, three things lining up at once. And it started with a conversation with the vice president of operations who recently connected with me again, he's now in Canada. And now he said, we want you to drop in. And so I then one provided interim leadership, guiding the individual quality managers, customer complaints. I can handle that. Oh, we have to maintain our uh, compliance certification. Can you help us that? So I brought together all of that capability. I also helped respect the human. I also made sure there was a transition so I can help companies with whatever compliance issues are, provide interim leadership. And also what I've done is, you know, I have some leaders that just live in the day to day just survive the day. And some CEOs realize, you know, as I grow my business, I need strategic thinkers. So I'll actually work with operations leaders and say, what is it that we need to do to get you from today, A, where you're stuck every day (laughs) and get you to what B looks like? They've never had that guidance before. So I'll actually help senior leaders develop their strategies, develop a roadmap. So they're in a different place and performing at a different level a year later. 
And so I can certainly do all of that. I can write procedures. I also have an amazing network of people in operations, in regulatory, et cetera. I can bring in all those resources, whatever we need to fill the hole while a leader is going through some kind of rapid transformation, business growth, uh, downsizing, integration, acquisition. That's a sweet spot that I fall into because I like that interim work for significant change. Hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it, it it's classic, don't work in your business, work on your business. Where leaders and CEOs sometimes get bogged down in, like you say, the day-to-day or the, the getting to the next step, but actually they aren't always thinking correctly with their strategic roadmap. And, and having you as a partner just helps them go whoop and zoom out of that, that, that day-to-day and work on their business, not in their business. And that's so relevant within a corporate environment. They, again, they just want to do the transaction because it's comfortable, they're easy, and they're praised for getting things done that day or out the door or that firefighter mentality. And that is typical of a small business. Sometimes it is about just getting that order out to survive and get that next win, et cetera. But there does come a tipping point where that doesn't serve you. People are stressed out. They're working long days. And I think what I do is, as I think about the CEO's compass, I get leaders back to peace of mind. They're talented, they know what to do, but maybe they just need a partner to do some of the work while they focus on customer relationships or building up the portfolio or just that capability that maybe they don't even have themselves. I Generally, I don't have to develop the CEO. The fact that they have the awareness to bring me in they know what they need. I help all the people get to that same level of strategic thinking and having a broader perspective on the business versus just the task at hand. You dropped in there the words CEO compass. And oh, yeah. this is something that um, I've really started to, to sort of learn from you with the posts that you're doing. And uh, I, I get sort of excited and I have a wry smile on my face when I see some of the wording that you put it, all the sort of, you know, maritime language or directional language of you know, navigating and CEO compass. And, uh, um, but, but, but more seriously, it sounds like this is a, a methodology that you are creating for CEOs and leaders to, you know, I don't use it lightly now, but navigate their way through the direction they wish to take. That's a compass. You want to know where you're headed. Talk to us more about how the CEO compass was born and the methodology behind it. Thank you. (laughs) It didn't happen overnight. It happened over some time, but as I in starting my business on my whiteboard, started putting words on the board, people, process, platform and tools and performance and things like that. It it was originally a house. It had a foundation, it had pillars, it had a roof and it had an ultimate outcome of peace of mind, another P. When I think about CEOs, yes, you can bring in a consultant to get us more sales, get us back on track with our inventory levels, help us to, I don't know, increase our bottom line or top line sales. Yes, they can do that. But you know what? Ultimately, have you achieved the outcome? Peace of mind. And so even if you had met all your performance goals, can a CEO sleep at night? Do they know that they're on the right track? So I think in terms of peace of mind is true north on the compass. So as I put peace of mind at the top of the house, I realized, you know, when I speak to a CEO leader, 
a house, a house of quality, which was my pedigree and where I came from, didn't resonate. And I realized that the impact was powerful, but the messaging was wrong. And so I started thinking about it and they don't need to change everything in their organization. Usually a highly talented leader has gone off course in a few directions only because the environment has changed. And so the CEO's compass, which I felt resonated more, has eight compass points. And so true north peace of mind is where you need to get to. And on the top of the compass are strategic elements of finding your purpose. And you hear a lot about that. And also aligning the performance of not just individuals, but at all tiers of the organization, connecting the purpose and the messaging and the translating into the strategic understanding of what it means and everybody down the food chain performance. And then I added in addition to tactical things like people and process and platforms. And I have unique definitions for all of that. But one of the things I found from my experience, and there's two compass points, your Western compass point is your past and bringing in the culture of the organization. When we bring teams or acquire different companies, we often skip over the cultural aspect, celebrating what they're all about and bringing forward what into the future culture and pride. And I have a unique thing about pride and it's the humanity married with the intellectual property. When we bring people together, sometimes we don't take the time to understand what did they create in the past, their gifts, their intellectual property, and also bring that forward because you never know where you need to pull that also out of your pocket to get you out of a situation. So all of these P's, compass points, hoping to get you back to true north. So the name of the book is the CEO's compass, my approach, your guide to get back on track. Amazing. <laughs> when, when's the book going to be released? It's uh, uh, later in 2021. I am targeting August right now. I am um, giving myself a little room, but I am with an editor right now who is going to feed me back. I have a cover design. So excited. Haven't shared that yet, but we're ramping up that marketing engine to start sharing more with the world, but I'm getting it out there now, testing the waters. And you know what? Thank you, Robert. It does seem to resonate the CEO's compass. Yeah, it's a it's a real a real product that I think people can align with, and actually, you know, out, probably even outside of the work that you're doing directly with people, it feels like a, a methodology that you could share on scale with people, perhaps across social media, obviously through the book. But um, I I think what's really interesting about the way that you have compiled the compass is that there are many human factors to it there's emotional intelligence to it you've mentioned things like peace of mind pride um these are these are feelings they're emotions that we often don't always think about maybe this is a stereotypical man thing but um it's uh it's it's actually really refreshing to just hear that human factor peace of mind and a ceo sleeping at night wow who normally says that? That's that's brilliant. Uh, thank you. I mean, that's what I've been thinking. And that's one of the things that, you know, as a child, or maybe in my later career, I would think differently. And then I would say, well, Deb, that's a nice idea, but heads down, get your work done. And you know what, just thinking a little bit differently. Yes, we are taught. Okay, here's how you build a sales funnel. Here's how you build out a strategy. Here's how you, you know, develop your PL, your budget, etc. And yes, we need to learn how to do that. But 
I don't know, business, at least my exposure is it, yeah, they teach you empathy, their core values, we respect humans, we build trust, but you know what, I don't necessarily see it demonstrated. And so I have found that some of the best things, the best transformations have had the best technical experts and tools to get us through the change. And that only gets you so far, but you know, people will hold back. And if you don't invest in the human and bring back forth the culture and their pride and also developing their essential skills on the individual level to navigate the change, you fall short or maybe you achieve the goal and it's not sustainable. So I focus a lot on the human development in concert with the problems that we're trying to solve to get back to peace of mind. This is so relevant for some of the work that I'm actually mm -hmm. doing at the moment yeah. with, I think I mentioned to you before, um, that I trained as a Lumina learning um, practitioner, which is essentially helping individuals and teams to become emotionally intelligent and around self-awareness, particularly within the sales arena. Um, that's where I sort of focused my, my work on this, that you can learn skills, you can learn how to manage a funnel, you can learn how to run a qualification call, how to do a demo, how to follow up. These are skills. And yes, there are some people who are better at it than others. But a lot of those skills are often not combined with understanding mindset. What makes that person do X, Y, or Z is because of their everyday qualities that are built into their, their DNA as a person. And, and how some of those qualities some, sometimes show up in a crisis or an overextended situation. Let's say it's end of quarter, for example, and they haven't quite hit their target. Their mindset might be to actually give away the kitchen sink to close those deals when actually if they kept calm and used some of their other emotionally intelligent qualities to, to guide that sale to, to the finishing line, it can mean more revenue. It can mean that they hit their target. It means that they go home happier and they have peace of mind. So this consciousness of mindset combined with skill set is, I think, a growing trend of people understanding themselves, not only, as we've seen, a rise in you know, mental health awareness, self-awareness personally, but this is super relevant in a professional setting. You don't suddenly turn off your qualities when you walk through the office door. These are the things that make you, and we've got to show up with those qualities and, and work on them to, to reach our goals. You know, uh, you just said something, and I want to congratulate you. I believe you're probably expanding the reach of the Luminar methodology um, into your business. Are you doing that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know what? One of the things I, I think about is that we have to do this. And, and I think people listening can probably start doing things right now. If they feel that maybe their people are just heads down and just trying to meet a target, but you know, they look stressed, they're working long hours. I think as a leader right now, we can just start having one-on-one -on -one conversations and understand how people are feeling. What are their mental barriers? What are their physical barriers to get the work done? I think so often we're so busy just getting the business done that we don't take the time to have one-on-ones with people, understand how they're feeling and not start with the tactical discussion about, okay, are you going to get that report to me today? But start talking about what skills do you need or what do you see is holding yourself back? Flip the pyramid, 
develop people on those essential skills, mindset, et cetera, then start saying, you know, let's discuss strategic things, how you can contribute to the greater cause and end the conversation with what are those tactical things and how can I help you? I think business so often just goes right for the jugular, you know, how are the sales numbers going and you don't deal with the human first. I think you're going to get a lot more if you start with the human first and how people are feeling. And I've learned about that as well. Um, getting to the point may not serve you in the long term. So. Sounds like we're in agreement. Now, we are. often consultants are called in when there might be a crisis or a problem or a challenge. Um, and leaders look for third parties to help them navigate those choppy waters to come back to some of the maritime language. Um, what's your view and strategy when it comes to enabling people to work through those crises that come within their businesses from time to time? One thing I have learned is not drop in and save the day. Don't drop in and solve the problems direct. You might be able to say, I know what you need to do. Um, and it's so easy to do that, you know, and do your checklist and do these things. And let's just start rolling up our sleeves and going, I like to hit the pause button just a little bit. I don't like to give you my gap analysis right out of the gate. Cause in fact, I was just with a, a new client yesterday and they've got their pens out and they're starting to take lists of things. And we're still just going through the discovery <laughs> of what do you have that's already in place and what are the gaps in order to get the certification. So I like to slow it down just a little bit because I may find like, oh, you actually already have a lot of things in place. We just need to be able to bring it forward. Um, I just like to say, let's just slow down a little bit. And any leader that drops into an organization will take their first 90 days and really understand the landscape because, you know, the answers they think they can find in the first nine days are going to be completely different in the 90 days. And um, you know what? You can't do it alone. All the people actually have the answers to the problem. It's about asking them questions about what would they do or who has a strength, who has a weakness and getting the people to solve the problem. And only when they can't solve the problem, that's kind of when you drop in your expertise. Well, I've seen this done well. Would you like to try this? That builds trust. That's the long game, not me just dropping in and solving a problem over two months. You, 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 you remind me of a Ronald Reagan quote. He says, you know, if anyone from the government shows up and says, hello, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help, start running in the other direction. And, and that sort of resonates with what you're saying. Consultants that walk in and say, I'm a consultant and I'm here to help and I'm going to solve your problems. It's not the right route. There is that team collaboration, discovery and network that, that builds the answer to the problem. You know, and as a consultant, it's a scary place to be. We don't have the answers. I remember being with another consultant early in my career. And I also wasn't a subject matter expert. And I remember one night we had all of the walls wallpapered in post-it notes and flow charts describing the current state. And he had a challenge to get them to an end state to optimize their business. And I saw him wearing a hole in the rug walking and pacing and talking to himself. And even when we talked over dinner, he says, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to solve this, but you know what? Trusting yourself 
to find the answers or getting a good night's sleep, maybe, <laughs> and waking up in the morning, sometimes you have to give yourself that time and space to be able to solve the problem. And he saw the light. He says, now I know how I can help the people and then guide them forwards. And I think that's something that any leader should worry, or I'm sorry, should be thinking about is you don't have to have all the answers. You may not have them all right away. Take a little time, take a walk. They may come to you or just kicking the boxes and talking to a few people. You may actually find the answer rather than beating yourself over the head. <laughs> I think I think what's interesting is that certainly here in Israel, within the startup community, and I think also from really a, a, from the military background of saying, how do we make something work? And how do we keep trying, even if we fail? This didn't work. How do we move forward? This, how do I, how do I iterate what I have? That's not necessarily a typical business quality because leaders, politicians, whoever it is, we look at them as almost like demigods, that they have the answers, they know the route to take, and we're looking to them for direction. You know, you've got the compass, I'm following you. And, you know, the, in your work and your experience, leaders who aren't prepared to say, I don't know all the answers, do they make for better leaders? You know what? They make smarter leaders. You know what? Because I have worked with leaders that were very smart and acted like they were smart and they would drop in and be the firefighter and the center and they look like the hero to save the day. But you know what? They don't have longevity. There's only a small amount of time that they can continue to do that. And I, I, I think very fondly of a particular leader and that was his mode of operation. And I watched that and yes, he solved business problems, but at the end of the day, you know, a firefighter can only be celebrated so much. So I actually find the ones that listen more sit back. And sometimes you think, you know, gee, that leader should be more out there, should be up in front of the room and saying, we need to do X, Y, and Z. But you know what? I find the better leaders, the ones that I like to model are the ones that don't say anything in the beginning. They let everybody speak. And then all of a sudden they listen and pick up the nuggets. And when they do speak, they speak with profound knowledge. And often it might have a little bit of their insight, but it's usually of what they heard and the collective solution that everybody is proposing. So I think as a leader, it's okay to realize you don't have to know everything. I find the gap closure is doing a lot of listening. And also the vulnerability of saying, I don't know everything. You guys are the experts. Tell me what you think. That's real leadership. That encourages other people yeah. to say, I don't know the answer, or we have a problem here. We, we can only grow a business when we surface yeah. the challenges. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say, I'll be a little vulnerable in my last corporate role. I had some technical challenges. We were having some quality issues. And yes, I did leverage the resources I had at hand because technically I did not know it, how to solve the problem. The only thing I knew how to do was elevate the people, deploy the resources where I needed to. And I started asking for help. And then I started asking for a lot of help. And in the end, I think my lesson learned is maybe I asked for help a little bit too late and that's okay. Knowing when to pull the trigger is something you learn as a leader. And then when I asked for help and the cavalry came and helped us with the issue, I think I ruffled a few feathers along the way, but ultimately I built peace of mind with my customer because the quality issue didn't get to them. I kept it in house. We got through it. 
but you know, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm no longer with the corporation because I did raise, <laughs> I did make a, a big to do about it. We did eventually get help, but maybe it was a little bit too much too late. And I think that's the great learning of a leader having gone through crises like that. And that's my story, but you know what, let's celebrate those stories you have. And what do you do forward with that? I think what's interesting as well, coming back to types of leaders is, you know, let's use the, uh, you know, politician analogy again, um, you know, Churchill was a wartime leader, but he lost the general election in 1945 to the Labour Party in England, in the UK rather. And, you know, this wartime general style prime minister who just saved the world together with others lost the election. He was a wartime general, a wartime leader. And there are peacetime leaders who are there to navigate the ship through that longer, as you say, that with, with, a, with a focus on longevity. And, and that requires different skill sets. Coming back to what we're talking about, skill sets, qualities, mindset, it's, it's, it's horses for yeah. courses. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think people just are so hard on themselves that like maybe if they moved out of a business, they were no longer needed. People take that personally and that speaks to the pride. But you know, at the end of the day, we have to rel realize we did provide a service at a particular point in time when it was needed. And it's simply a time for change in a new direction. So uh, I, every, I think of every time maybe I've been let go from a role, new challenge, new opportunity, and where can I go with this? So mindset, but it takes a while to get there. Deb, we're in our final few minutes together. I'm yeah. conscious of time. And I want to end on a topic that I'm sort of grappling with and learning about, okay. which is purpose within business. And there's a lot that is said and written about this. And I think perhaps sometimes we confuse purpose with mission or mission statement or what we want our business to achieve. And then we have purpose in a business today, which is centered around um, issues that aren't actually to do with your business, but they are starting to make up the fabric of how you want to be viewed as a company to the outside world. And for me, I find this, maybe it's just because I'm from a different generation and, you know, the millennial Gen Z world wants something different. They want values to align with businesses if they're going to make purchasing decisions. I have a bit of a problem when companies come out and get behind social justice issues or they, they weave that in almost in a contrived way to sort of say, ah, this is what we're doing. This is our purpose. We're, we're doing this, but this is our higher purpose as a business. I, I, I think I have a problem with it. You know, I, I see today, for example, a huge hoo-ha with Coca-Cola in the US. And everybody is on the same page when it comes to obviously having more diversity inclusion. Who wouldn't be unless you've got serious issues? But the way that it's being delivered is just off the scale to me and not even just to me I'm thinking of maybe the say black community where Coca-Cola is saying to law firms you've got to have a minimum of 30 percent diverse employees half of which should be black well what if the black community in that area or individuals want to do different things it's it doesn't all add up to me. I'm lost on this issue. I'm looking for guidance. Can you share any? Wow. 
It's big, it's huge. We're not it, going to finish the answer. It's huge. It's huge. But my view, it's my view, is that when people respond to the latest trend, it degrades the trust that people have in that product, service, or brand because you are reacting to the environment or circumstances and trying to seek good favor to align with people. But people, I think you underestimate them, are smart. They see you reacting to the change versus a consistency in your messaging and your behavior. So I think what's more important is that if you support these things because you believe it's good for society or the culture, you need to have already been doing it already consistently in your behavior and in your actions so people can see it. So I'll go there. Diversity. I could pick and choose whoever I want on my podcast, male, female, different ethnic races and religions. I have been speaking to people of all diverse backgrounds on my podcast. So I never have to think about, Ooh, I need more women. Ooh, I need more Asian people. I never have to think about it. I'm consistently seeking different voices of different backgrounds. So I'm a brand I believe people can trust. So I think companies need to ground themselves in how can I build trust with people and then break that down into behaviors, messaging, and action and stop reacting to the latest trend because people are going to distrust you. I think that is incredible advice. And again, it just, I, I speak very simply, walk the talk. We went there. <laughs> <laughs> so look, Deb, we are really at the finishing line of this podcast. So just before we, we close off, for our listeners, if they want to follow you and find out more, how best should they be in touch with you, Deb? All right, well, Robert, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity and the space to speak to your community. And I do hope that it was valuable and that we potentially can get to know each other. So best way to connect with me, dropinceo.com. Dropinceo.com is my website. And also the Dropin CEO. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, all the major outlets, Dropin CEO podcast for immediate resources and coffee with Curtis. We had Robert on the show as well. So look for him as well. He was an amazing guest. So looking forward to um, connecting with you. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Look, Deb, you've been, as I knew you would be, an insightful guest who has shared lots of value with our listeners. I always learn from you, whether it's in person or from the content that you're sharing online. And I look forward to continuing this collaboration. And I really encourage all our listeners to, to follow you because they'll get that value too. So thank you so much for your time. I'm really, really grateful and be well. And you as well, be well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I've got some great future guests lined up, so please remember to follow and subscribe to the channel wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. 